This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by Willie Nelson's Hose Clamp. Hose Clamp is the leader in urethra compression. Hose Clamp essentially operates on the same scientific principles as sticking your thumb on the end of a garden hose so you can engrave images, words, and pictograms in urinals. It looks like a bread clamp, and it pretty much operates like a wrought iron clamp for your, uh, on, uh, hose clamp, power to the pee hole. Uh, now on to the show. Like I said, you had to read it. They're paying us huge, like a lot of money on this It's one. just awkward. I know, but it's Lee Valley. Well, okay, here we are again, folks. Round duh for us this evening. Um, I appreciate that we're very candid with the fact that we record these in pairs, so we kind of run out of stuff to talk about. Well, we run out of uh, current events to talk about after one episode. Personal but, revelations. Yes, yeah, but I like this because it gives us the opportunity to talk about something off-topic for the other one. So I have an idea, unless you have a better idea. I don't have any idea. I was reflecting as we were talking about... Um, we brought up 2016 and David Bowie and Leonard Cohen in our last episode. And it just got me thinking, This is, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's so cool now. We're starting to have like a body of work in terms of, especially our album of the year, which are our most mm-hmm. popular podcasts and stuff we've re- reviewed over time. When we do our album of the year 2019 in a month, month and a half kind of thing. Not even. Not even. It will be our fourth album of the year show yeah and i just think it's really cool that now when we talk about music that is certainly still modern but like a few years past archived as it were it's cool to be able to dust off the old album of the year episodes that we've done and like look back and be like we're starting to get a bit of uh a body of work yeah it is it is really it's very satisfying to have that kind of uh yeah, it's like a little like you're pulling little train cars along behind you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and it is fun to reflect and how our tastes have changed on, you know, vis a vis a vis our own opinions, if you will. You know, yeah. like my my albums of the year. I I don't know if really any of them would be the same. Really? Um. Well, like for for sure, whichever year. Was it last Mercury year that Mercury and Lightning came out in 2017? Yeah, 2017. That would almost certainly be my album of that year. I barely which, gave that album the time of day in 2017 compared to how much I love it now. Yeah. And which album was? The uh, uh, Sleep Well Beast, which is a, a powerhouse album. It is a really good album, actually. And but I, I still think Mercury and Lightning is probably stronger track to track. Yeah, so 2016, we had Leonard Cohen... Uh, you want it darker? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Well, that yeah, that it would have been that year and uh, like Black Star. That beat out Black Star. Twenty seven. Not well for for, for you though. Our total because we like did cumulative points, right? right? Yeah, yeah. For twenty seventeen, Sleep Well Beast beat out Forced Witness. Yes. Twenty. What an insane year! That Holy was an incredible wow. year. Um, twenty eighteen, Bahamas was it was more of a one horse race. Very I don't much think there so. Was, yeah. Maybe the Interrupters was second, but it, it was it was all Earth Tones last year. And yeah, it I was had kind a, of a disappointing year. I had a laugh, although Earth Tones, even in a good year, would have been an album of the year contender. That's worth pointing absolutely, out. Absolutely, yeah. Um, we had to have a laugh. The, the Spotify Wrapped stuff is coming out now. 
and looking back on my 2019, my most listened to songs, all five or six of them, whatever Spotify gives you, is just the Earth Tones track list. I, yeah. I listened to Bahamas <laughs> for something like 87 hours so far this year. And that was last year that we were doing the Earth Tones stuff. Yeah. So that's how much Bahamas has had legs for me. Yeah. Um, Phenomenal. But yeah, that was music. just kind of kind of my thought is it's really fun. I don't often go back and listen to our old episodes. Yeah. Um, but if I do, the album of the year episodes, I've probably listened to all of those before, like at least once. Yeah. And it's cool. And part of me is like a little bit almost self-conscious because i feel like we were not very good when we started compared to like i think we i think our conversation has gotten more natural but it's an archive of us really yeah and in a way it's kind of natural and it's good that i look back and i feel that we've improved since then there would be more of a problem if i looked at a three-year-old episode and and thought, oh, we could have recorded this yesterday. Yeah, yeah. and even just the way that we've changed up our uh, our format a little yeah. bit. Just and every album of the year episode ends up having a bit different format, just based on what we feel like. Well, I mean, much. I mean, just like in terms of our right, your standard episode of the Good Ship Brothership, we went from having the uh, <coughs> you know Excuse two me. two review two topic kind of thing where you know. Do you drink all my water? Yeah, I brought this water for me. You never said that. You just set the cup down. I thought it was for me. Um, but, you know, our our previous format where we would have the two two topics and each of us would do, you know, back-to-back reviews on them. And then we, right. then we decided, like, nobody really needs... Our, our opinions are often similar enough that it's just kind of redundant. Yeah. First, we broke it up into just one topic per episode because it seems like yeah. more what people are interested in. You're, you only want to hear one of the topics sometimes and... It's easier for us to do one per week of one topic kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, it's it's true. It's evolved a lot. And when I listen to our new episodes, and I would say I listen to maybe like one out of seven or eight, and I listen to like half of it. Yeah. I don't listen to our episodes much. There are things I still want to improve. I think we have a relatively high amount of dead space in our conversations. And I don't mind that because it's natural and it's uncut. But I think that uh, we still have work to do in terms of sealing the gap to make a really like uh efficient podcast but we're so much better now than we were even a year ago yeah for sure and we're not professionals i'm not you just do this for fun you know and and i'm i'm always 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 working on getting my reviews of a any given item shorter you know more Mm -hmm. condensed more concise more insightful um and that's just not easy to do. I mean, Mark Kermo does like a five-minute review of something. And that's what I'm... Yeah. Our podcast is more conversational and in-depth than Kermo just rattling off like his yeah, thoughts but, on a movie but quickly. He, but he is the master oh, of man. getting you all the information you need to know about a movie yes. in a very short amount of For time. Sure. And I, I really admire... And even his more in-depth uh, reviews on the show, like you said, are five minutes maybe Mm -hmm. and when he does that five minutes you you go wow like i can picture it i either do or don't want to watch i can hear yeah and and i i really admire that so anyway onward and upward to greater things yeah we're already much more succinct in our delivery than we were last episode well that's just because you don't have as much to talk about now yeah that's also true but uh i 
believe I have everything we need pulled up on Wikipedia here. Is one of these our 50th episode? <laughs> I don't know. Shoot. We, okay, we still gotta do the thing maybe next time. Yeah, we really should. It can be our 50th episode special and just be a couple episodes later. Yeah, episode 52. <laughs> we can have one for each week of a year, not including years where there was a leap year. Yeah. Welcome aboard the Good Ship Brothership. It's the only arts podcast that tackles film, music, gaming, literature, and Al Gore's toenail collection. Oh, okay. I was going to go for a lockbox design or something like that. Okay. Interesting topic, though, lockboxes. Did you go down that rabbit hole? What are they for? Locking valuables away. Yeah, but... Sorry. Yeah, but what are they for? Well, I think you could put jewelry in them, or sometimes you would put, like, uh, pictures or something precious to you, and a lot of them are fireproof, right? So if your house burns down, the lockbox is virtually indestructible. All you got is a box. No, but you have stuff in the box. But that's... You have... not the box, though. Maybe jewelry or pictures of your family. I'm Grant, and this is my brother, Jason. Okay. Uh, Today we are talking about... Prospect, which is, well, I'll tell you what Wikipedia has to say about Prospect. Prospect is a 2018 American science fiction film starring Pedro Pascal, Sophie Thatcher, and Jay Duplass. Duplass? Duplass? Duplass. The film, which was written and directed by Zeke Earle and Chris Caldwell, premiered on March 5th, 2018 at the South by Southwest Film Festival. The company Gunpowder and Sky, under their science fiction-oriented label Dust, released the film in Regal Cinema Theatres on November 2nd, 2018, and on Video On Demand and Home Media on March 8th, 2019. The synopsis is that a man and his teenage daughter travel to an alien moon with a contract to mine gems in the moon's poisonous forest. The daughter is forced to face other people in the forest, as well as her father's greed. So what we have here is basically an indie science fiction film which is the modern-day equivalent of straight-to-DVD or straight-to-VHS, just in that it went to... It had a select run at theaters and then basically went straight-to-video on-demand. And this is kind of an interesting one for me. Grant brought it to my attention, I think, on a previous episode we talked about how we were going to do this, Mm -hmm. because indie movies are phenomenal, and we love indie movies, and I think we've seen a huge uptick in the amount of great indie movies. But... Science fiction is an interesting one for me because that's typically associated with grandiose scales and the big budgets that that require to have these cool alien planets and stuff like that. Which is interesting because the birth of modern science fiction with movies like Blade Runner, Alien... uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey? Well, no. Well, Well, that was after... But that was informative of modern It it is, but I'm thinking like popular culture. Okay. Um... So, you know, Star Wars Star Trek. and not Star Trek. What? No, like I'm talking cinema. Oh, cinema. Yeah. Okay. Like the birth of or the rebirth of of uh science fiction as like a pop a force of pop culture. Right. Brought to us through movies. Certainly spearheaded in this most recent wave by movies like Alien, like Blade Runner and Star Wars. Yeah. They started off as very low budget movies because everybody thought that they were just 
just stupid and silly and and fluffy pieces of of children's entertainment mm-hmm. essentially. And so we this this movie kind of marks a return to that low budget pulling yourself up by your bootstraps kind of kind of uh, aesthetic and work ethic and I stumbled upon this movie completely by accident on on Netflix, Canadian Netflix and uh and I was pretty, I was pretty impressed by it. So I, I want to ask you about, you know, certain aspects of yeah. the movie, and if I miss something that you want to say, of course, feel free to touch on it. You know how this works. But in terms of the movie prospect, mm-hmm. um, what were the, what were, what were some of the aspects of the movie that kind of presented themselves to you in a in a noticeable way. What were what were the high points, the bright spots for you in in Prospect? I think this movie has one predominant strength that overshadows almost every other reason why you would watch it and it's the I guess it's a couple things that kind of play together. It's the technology especially and the world that they've built kind of thing and just the the world is is really what I was intrigued by. And as the film kind of wrapped up, I don't think I was really watching for the story or for the characters or the cinematography, even though some of those things have merit. But I was watching just because the different weapons, the different mining methods, their space suits, I thought were so cool and interesting. And I really like a combination of space travel, which is inherently super futuristic to us, with really kind of uh, butch or like low sci-fi stuff, like how their spacesuits just have like the giant glass dome for the head that looks like a kind of an old era diving diving uh, helmet. You're talking about um, what I call blue collar sci-fi. Yeah. Um, uh, another it's great, dirty another and grimy. great example of that is Alien. Yeah, with this crew, you know, on this ship, and there it's a mining yeah vessel, and you really do get the sense that this could be taking place on an oil rig. Yeah, it might as well be. Kind and of. indeed, the only reason that uh, the protagonist and her father are out there is because they're basically doing one last job for money before they get out of that area. You know, they're doing it because like they need the money right now. Yeah, and it's a very uh, yeah blue collar sci fi is a great way to put it. But the technology is so cool. They have this device for patching holes in your spacesuit and fixing wounds at the same time that injects your suit with a sort of foam that I guess is antibacterial and healing to your flesh, but then also plugs your spacesuit yeah. so that you don't get damaged by the poisonous atmosphere. So yeah. It's like so cool. That- and I, I, my favorite part of the uh, technology that's on play, and there's, it's, it's another great, a lot of. A lot of my favorite sci-fi is very analog because you think of what the future actually would look like, you know, and it is, the future is touchscreens. Like, mm-hmm. we're living in it, man. Like, we both have little touchscreen devices. You've got your notes on it and, you know, we've got our lives in them and and that's kind of more the future, but you're... It's more fantasy at this point to have something exactly, that's yeah. analog. Yeah, and so you're looking at them and they're, they're putting cartridges and things and flipping switches yeah. and all this, but... The thing I love the very most is the uh, like rifle weapon that they have, which they yeah. refer to as a thrower, which is this cool octagonal barreled musket looking thing. And to 
reload it, I guess, but recharge the power cell. It, it's it's, crank it's operated. a little crank-operated thing, which is ingenious, mm-hmm. not just from a design standpoint, but from a storytelling standpoint of introducing tension. Mm-hmm. It is the same tension that you'd see in a you know Civil War era movie when somebody has to quickly reload a musket or a pistol mm-hmm. or a weapon like that. You have to reload this gun. You have to crank up to a certain you know power level to get a shot or maybe two shots or three and i thought that that was so so cool and uh really really there's a lot of imagination but that's that's my big takeaway from the movie is that i really 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 hope that somehow we see more in this universe i don't really care if it's a a book another film film seems by far most likely i would kill for a video game in this universe it seems like it would be really a cool like uh kind of isolating rpg like a little bit no man's sky ish yeah would be super cool but i i mean i don't think we're ever going to see that of course no i don't think so so um in terms of the story mm-hmm. i would say you know like we we pretty much just agreed that this movie is driven by and held up by the world building which is oh for sure absolutely superb it's like, fantastic it's really i was really blown away and dad watched it with me oh yeah and he was like enthralled just by the stuff they had and we yeah. paused it halfway through to i don't know go pee or make popcorn or whatever um and we were talking about that and he brought up how he thought it was so cool how they had that foam technology to seal the spacesuit. Mm-hmm. yeah and yeah he said he was like yeah it's just it's a really cool world and yeah. i was like yeah it's that's that's my prevailing take. And this movie was made for $2 million. Yeah, let's embrace the surface money. Which is absolute peanuts. Like, that is, like, student level. And yeah. just the production value that they got on this. They spent the money in, like, all the right places. But one thing I do think is um, good considering the circumstances, but leaves a bit to be desired. It's just interesting, I guess. Is, in terms of... Built world building but also how it pairs with the production of the movie the world very much looks like earth because they didn't cg it and they're just in some lush forest somewhere i thought it was interesting though they used a really warm color grading whenever they're yeah. outside like very orange yes and it did give it kind of a alien feel as much as you can by just having like earth with a different white balance the, the uh introductory kind of scenes when they're on this planet and they're in that rainforest kind of yeah atmosphere i uh i bought the the idea that it might be you know this heavily forested moon kind of thing Mm -hmm. the only time when i was taken out of the movie by its production value was when they run into the uh and this this will go a little bit into spoiler territory here if you haven't seen prospect just honestly go watch it it's very short it's yeah. like it's like an hour and a half, an hour and a half max, which is laughably short for most movies now, unfortunately. And you'll have a great time; it'll be very entertaining, and you can come back and listen to us. Um, is when uh, C is her name, mm-hmm. and uh, her captor, whose name I, escapes me at the moment, um, played by Pedro Pascal, mm-hmm. when they arrive at the kind of like um, cultish, indigenous kind yeah. of uh, tribe. Yeah, that was the only part. That was the only point. They're kind of in a forest of like these little evergreens. Mm-hmm. And that was the only point in which I was like, this this looks like a Christmas tree farm. Mm-hmm. It looks like you're on a Christmas tree farm right now. And that was the that was the only point in the movie where I went, eh. And the, the jump between this rainforest, this lush 
overgrown kind of dense rainforest and then this kind of more arid wide open landscape was a little too Mm -hmm. sudden for me yeah so what i'm what i'm getting at is i think that the really warm color grading was an interesting way to make it feel more alien and it kind of worked and they did what they could but at the end of the day i still wasn't fooled that this was an alien planet but well i don't know i mean it's it's yeah and they put the after effects like all these dust motes kind of in the air which i think was a nice touch um so just to go back to the story um we both agree that it's not the driving factor. The story no. to me is reminiscent of like a Western or something like that, where uh, it's, it's a very simple story. They're looking for the mother load. They're, they're chasing after the rumored, you know, mm-hmm. legendary huge deposit of this gem they're mining called Orlac. And we'll come to that in a second. But what did you think of the story in terms of, like, you know, does it hold up? Did it have any resonance for you? Did the characters have any resonance for you? I think it's kind of a mixed bag. They went very heavy towards show, don't tell. And I respect that. But this is one of the few instances where I'll say that I think a bit more exposition would have been nice at the beginning. It could have been that I was just slow or maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. I mean, I was paying lots of attention, but... It did take me a little bit to get up to speed on uh, what are they doing here. I thought they crash landed on a random planet. It took me a little while to realize it was the same planet. Um, mm-hmm. They keep talking about having to catch this sling back. And I think it's something to do with the gravitational pull is like getting that to help boost you out into outer space. But... No, no, because the the sling back is the, v, well, the space station like thing that they're on. They drop from it. So they have three cycles they say which are days and so that's three rotations the right. slingback is orbiting the planet and they have to catch it as it kind of lines up isn't the slingback the act of getting back to the ship though i think it is the ship oh it is the ship yeah okay this is what i'm saying where i i appreciate that they didn't go heavy with the exposition but i was confused for a little bit too long i like confusion as a storytelling mechanic for a little bit now i've but... watched i've watched the movie twice uh-huh. and i think it's a lot clearer on the second yeah. second viewing i didn't feel that it it really uh revealed things to me at a great pace it seemed to stumble a little bit there i think the characters i really didn't care about very much her her captor i did like he was my favorite character but other than that the protagonist is okay. Her dad seems fine. But the characters don't stand out to me. I'm not going to remember a thing about any of the characters except maybe her captor mm-hmm. in like six months. But and I'll remember is, everything about the That's only because Pedro Pascal is chewing the scenery with this character. He's taking big bites out of the trees with his, you know, kind of cartoony southern accent. And I'm like, why would you... This is futuristic. Why do you have like a Texan accent? Who knows? That, that kind of, I was like, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like he, he's just playing a type and I get it. It's, it's a nod maybe to a Western mm-hmm. kind of, he's the, a desperado kind of thing. So, and, but he's, you know, this very eloquent, you know, uh, uh, Southern kind of gentleman. Also his buddy is so cool. The big silent guy. <laughs> I love I wanna that. Get, I want to get to that. I love that. I want to get to that. So story, bit. I would say it was mixed bag. It's not bad, but it just, it didn't seem to drive, it. its main purpose seemed to be to drive me on to see new cool things. Yeah. And I also found the uh, the exposition very 
Like the it's I, very I lopsided. I don't like the character that her dad is. I mean, they could have done a lot more. I was the, trying to figure out with the idea. You know, he's he's kind of a detached, um, distressed, down and out on his luck kind of guy. I think they could have showed that in a bit more elegant of a fashion. And frankly, he was gone before we really could figure out. I'm yeah. trying to figure out: is he like a little bit unhinged? Is he secretly a really good, caring father? And they had some of these threads that seemed to show promise, and then he was just kind of killed Gone. before yeah. we before we could find anything out in probably in 15 minutes of the, into the oh, movie oh very max yeah. but yeah and or the so you know we see very early on oh he has a like a drug problem yeah. these drugs and uh, he he takes them before he goes to bed and then he lays there and they have this really kind of it it's to be fair it's acted quite well yeah the conversation that he has weird, with his though. daughter but he, you know, goes into this drug haze and then tells his daughter, you know, oh, you were born at this time. It was really, we had you on this planet. And she's like, what, really? I never knew that. And it's I'm like, like, how do you not know that? Like, yeah. And it's like, it doesn't, it's secret. you expect it will relate to the story somehow later, but it never does. Yeah. And I guess it was just a little bit of character building, but. Yeah. I, I, that, that scene kind of, I was like, yeah. eh. you know, I feel like you could have done more with that mm-hmm. time. Um. Okay, so let's go to the main thrust of the movie itself, which is the mining for these gems, this Oralac. And I love I love this. I <laughs> it's love really how they cool. Do it. it is so it is so bizarre this I whole process. I think I understand it kind of. So it's this organic um kind of not a creature, but a a more like a a plant, I guess almost. A a being an organism yeah an organism that's a good term for it that's in the ground and you inside of the organism you pull out this uh meat pouch looking thing yeah you know <laughs> looks like a nutsack yeah <laughs> and you have to carve around it very delicately and if you do you can crack it open and get this precious stone but if you carve it incorrectly it all uh liquefies and i think probably it, i think probably what they're trying to do is avoid rupturing a sack of some kind of acid that's what that it like is, liquefies yeah. it yeah there and, there's like a, a membrane that they yeah you cannot puncture because it is filled with a very dangerous acid and it completely eats the uh, stone so to mine this not only do you have to have kind of a mining operation but you have to have a really delicate skillful uh touch when it comes to extracting the gem from this uh meat bag looking thing yeah and yeah, it's really cool and really so weird. Bizarre. And it's like, who thought of this? Yeah. But I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was really neat. Very cool. I, I even like how the, the gems look. This these Kind of looks of, like amber. Well, it's it's like a translucent quartz or diamond looking uh, stone with a like little ball in the middle. And mm. I wonder if they're kind of like a pearl kind of thing. That's like what I was thinking. A grit or an impurity gets trapped in these in this organism, and it forms this stone around it or something mm. like that. So i I thought it was I thought it was a really fascinating and and to be honest, like they're hanging the whole movie on that process yeah. being entertaining and suspenseful and rewarding, yeah. and they nailed it. And they they nailed it in an incredibly unconventional way. Yeah, and it's a very, I guess it's a very clever movie. Yeah. It's every time they show you something new like that, it's like, huh. And that's why I say I really, I really, dude, I really want to see more out of this universe. It's 
it's so interesting and it seems so deep. They do a great job of conveying to you the idea that there's so much more out there that you haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Now, so there are a couple couple side characters I just wanted to kind of touch on and just... Uh-huh. Because pretty much we're going to gush about these side characters. The uh, You mentioned earlier Pedro Pascal's... He has kind of like a sidekick or a partner earlier on in the in yeah. the movie. And he does bear that resemblance, like you said, of that old uh, diving suit. He has a more faceted, angular hood on. And big it Daddy is, vibes. It is black. Yeah, and it, Big Daddy from Bioshock, the video game, of course. And uh, it is tinted black, mirror finish. And he just sits there. He never says anything. And he creeped me out. He also reminded me of Silencio from Nacho Libre. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I can see that. But a, like a very yeah. large, very imposing. Kind like, of... looks like a five hundred pound piece of like power. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, he's really ultimately of no consequence to the plot or anything no. like that. But but just an interesting character you never see behind that behind that hood or anything and then i wonder he, who is he is he is it like a man yeah is he some is it some robot or alien or like uh he said the nefarious guy says they've been out there for a long time has he kind of lost his mind and he's like a slave to the other guy yeah there's there are unanswered questions around that that i really enjoyed i'm just trying to figure out what oh ezra ezra, ezra. is the name of pedro pascal's character and uh, later on in the movie, also, they, they encounter these uh, bounty hunters who are on this planet. They have hired uh, Jay Duplass's character and uh, and his daughter to, you know, extract help, help them the... extract this this massive uh, deposit, I guess, of this mm-hmm. Oralac, these gems. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a man with them, a huge, muscular, bald man. He's... He appears to be have, have most of his skin looks very burnt. Is this the guy in the cube? Mm-hmm. And what's he, his deal? He just sits, you know, imprisoned in this kind of like pained uh, cube of like glass or something yeah. like that until you know eventually breaking free. Yeah, but what's they his deal? they they say something like he there he's being executed, and uh... so he's been like they he was given to them. They don't even know what his deal is. Like huh. they don't even know who he is. They were just hired to kind of take him out here and give him like a slow, painful death. The bounty hunters were another group that I thought could have been interesting and were kind of cool, but they tried to rush character development a bit because they're only in the movie for a few minutes and they didn't end up having any real depth to me just because they weren't around long enough. But they looked cool. They were this like diverse, really ragtag, tough looking bunch. Yeah. And the char- had they been in the movie for longer, the character design. Cool. Mm-hmm. itself is pretty much flawless i would say everything design related in this movie is pretty much flawless yeah which really makes me go like give these give these guys like at least design design freedoms on like a star wars movie or something mm-hmm. you know like i want to i want to see something new and something cool from star wars i think the cinematography also was quite well executed yeah um really nice use of light and shadow um, I mean, obviously, that's all cinematography is, but really, well, they framing, did a, they did a great job of uh, tracking. Yeah, I was I was being reductive, but they, that was just a stupid thing to say. Like, good use of light and shadow, but they do a great use of extreme contrast, yep. kind of thing, um, making the forest feel very um, 
severe and very industrial kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought that was well done as well. If this movie had had an engrossing plot and memorable characters, it would be like phenomenal. Yeah, oh Unfortunately, yeah. it does not. Yeah. And so I would say it's it's really good and really fun, but it's not like one of the great movies of all time or anything certainly not certain certainly not but, but i'll i'll rewatch it within the next month or two for sure yeah, like on christmas break probably it's incredibly entertaining and it's it's very short and it yeah. is the thing that just struck me about it was that i have never seen a movie like this i i've never seen sci-fi in quite this hue and sci-fi is so steeped by now in its own history that it's very, very unusual to see a really original sci-fi. It actually, I've, I talked about this a bit last episode, and I keep talking to you about it. It does remind me a bit of Dead Space, the game, in terms of that blue-collar sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want you to play that game, just in terms of <laughs> them being like engineers and not fighters, or in the movie they're miners. Mm-hmm. I really like that slant of somebody who's not just... built for combat because we have all the we have all the war movies and we have all the gunslinger westerns and yeah star wars which is about jedis which are like the best fighters in the universe against these trained killing machines that are um clones or what have you it's it's just the classic case of rooting for the underdog the hero is like in a movie like say lord of the rings the hero is wildly under equipped to deal with the situations into which they are thrust yeah but the prospect is cool because Except for the bounty hunters at the very end, there's really nobody who's like a a great fighter. Like Ezra is certainly not. He's like this kind of weedly. Maybe he's kind of scrappy, but he's kinda, just a bandit. Yeah, like he's not like some he's tough a, super soldier. Yeah, he's not a combat veteran no. or anything. But it it also reminds me in a little what in a little bit of a shades of like say Treasure Island. Yeah, not just in the case, not just in terms of they're going after this treasure but just the kind of cast of characters that's i love treasure for the run. yeah great book but uh yeah is there anything else you want to add no i would highly recommend fans of cinema or fans of just an interesting world i think it's really intriguing and a really fun place to get sucked into for an hour and a half mm-hmm. and it probably won't blow your mind it probably won't change the way you perceive anything about cinema yeah but it's it's a really fun romp and i think it has a cool duality where on one hand if you're a big movie buff or whatever it's cool to look at the world building from that perspective yeah but if you're just someone like my dad who doesn't care about any of that it's just fun to look at the cool tech and yeah it it actually is really broadly appealing considering the fact that it's like this really indie movie yeah there aren't many movies this low budget that appeal to this many people yeah there aren't many movies this low budget that are this good right yeah Yeah. it's no florida project but it'll do yeah yeah for sure um let's say merry christmas because this will be around when christmas is yeah, and I guess our next episode will be albums of the year. Maybe. Like sometimes usually it's like mid January we do it. Yeah, well yeah. We'll try we'll try and do it a little bit more on time. Yeah. Like our first episode of January or something. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, Merry Christmas to everybody and uh thank you very much for listening to our podcast uh low these three years now. Yeah. I'm blown away that we've continued this far. Um <laughs> We've had periods of time where we stopped for a couple months, and that was a bummer, but I feel like it was 
always the right decision. We always had other stuff to focus on. It was never even a decision. Um, it just no. kind of happened. No, but, you know, our popularity and our listenership has waxed and waned many times over the years <laughs> with our regularity. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's really special that we're able to do this. And, yeah, I was telling some guy who I don't really even know at school that we do a podcast recently. And his reaction was so funny. He was like, you have a podcast? I was like, yeah, dude. He's like, why? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, because I want people... I like to talk about things that interest me, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, I guess the long and the short is that we haven't really needed to justify our existence ever. No. We just, we just are here and, you know. Yeah, there's no justifying it, and it's really just something we do for ourselves. You can't justify the hose clamp. No. <laughs> yeah, there's no justifying the humor that's in this show either. No. But, yeah, I, and... Yeah, it's it's just a nice exercise for us, and, yeah. and a fun challenge, and a and a weird hobby at this and point. And I'm much, I, I am much more confident at this point that we will make it another three years than I was at the start that we would make it three years. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. When we started, it was like, yeah, this is like this is have, not going to work. We have no idea what we're doing. It's we're um, we're barely holding. We it have together. significant commitment issues. Yeah. <laughs> But now at this point, it's just like, yeah, whatever. I guess we'll just do another one next time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is fun. It, yeah, it keeps us, it keeps us finding new Think things. Think of all of the awesome art that we would not have discovered for this show. Absolutely. And some of it we would have. You know, we were, we're music fans and, and film fans and game fans and all that before we started this. Yeah. But this definitely pushes me to new boundaries, you know. Yeah. Because, anyway. you know, you recommend me a movie, maybe I watch it, maybe I don't. But if you recommend me a movie and you're like, let's do a podcast on it, I'll definitely watch it. Yeah, and you'll think about it. Yeah, and exactly. And evaluate it yeah, yeah. critically. Why do I like this? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so here's here's to the new year. Here's to a couple more years of doing this. And here's to reviewing some more books in the new year. Yes. The, the book <laughs> thief is coming soon. I really, really, really please can we do like a dead space one yeah we'll do it yeah it'd be so good we'll do a dead space one i i would love to do one on blood meridian yeah um the book thief will come in the next my goal is to did we do one on fear and loathing in las vegas no that'd be a good one we should do that my goal is to record the book thief one over the christmas break sometime just Mm -hmm. so you know yeah yeah. because schedules will be probably a bit easier maybe maybe um who knows yeah you don't have to be here yeah true no you should be here Anyway, thanks for listening. Good night. And a big prince out. Yes. Merry Christmas, sweet prince. Merry Christmas. Let's play some Tiny Royale.